Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And, of course, you can join our late-night National Town Hall Forum right here, uh, live on the air. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. And happy Monday. Not so happy for everybody, but uh, um, welcome uh, welcome back. I'm happy to be back. And a lot going on, right? We've got a, a new spy balloon over Hawaii on Friday night. There was a horrific uh, execution-style shooting committed by an illegal alien that went ahead and slaughtered an entire family, five people. Absolutely atrocious. This guy's on the run, expected uh, by many to be now in Mexico or somewhere else. And uh, interestingly, this guy... Um, has probably been evading capture because the FBI misidentified the guy. And you'll never guess how. All right, I'll clue you in on a little bit of a secret. It had to do with the spelling of his last name. Anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later on uh, when we get into the border. And we're also going to talk about the economy. We're also going to talk about why were carbohydrates added as a, a key food for people to eat only for later for all of us to be told, you can't eat all those carbs. You got to go on some sort of diet. You're getting fat. OG, original Goldito. That's me, right? So we're going to find out about what's going on with that. We're going to bring in a, an expert on healthcare. But I want to, I want to touch upon this this spy balloon for a second because Karine Jean Pierre, she's in the White House today, and as usual, she gave an excellent non-answer answer when she was asked about the uh, the good old spy balloon that's hovering over Hawaii. Listen to this. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, NBC News this afternoon has a report of another mysterious balloon um, that the military has been, the U.S. military has been tracking around Hawaii. Is the White House aware of this, uh, tracking it as well? Uh, is, is there any response from, from this podium? So I, I heard of the reports as I was com literally coming out, out to, uh, to the podium. So what I would say is I would refer you to the Department of Defense on this particular question. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was trying to get your attention on that topic, but let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Uh, the future president of the White House. Yeah, we, we, just want to, we love balloons here. Uh, <laughs> so if there's another one, you know, we're very interested in that. Um, 
All right, so now everybody's having a great time when they're at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, when they're at the Met Gala, and, of course, when they're asking Karine Jean-Pierre questions. Now, let's remember, Karine Jean-Pierre is, in fact, the White House press secretary. That is her entire job, is to give a response and be the spokesperson for the White House uh, vis-a-vis the President of the United States. And she never gives an answer. Maybe that's why he never gives a press conference or rarely does. And when he does, he has those little cards with the name and photo and question and answer for every reporter that I guess is quote unquote approved. The quote being attributed to me. Anyway, just uh, unbelievable to me. But we've got uh, yet another, another new mysterious balloon detected in U.S. airspace. This time it's over Hawaii. And it's it was spotted by the U.S. military in American airspace. This time, it's uh, very high off the coast of Hawaii, according to the Department of Defense. It's unclear who owns the balloon, but the object did not fly over any sensitive areas yet, and it hasn't posed a threat to national security, according to the DOD. That's cool. You know, because I remember a couple of years ago, I wanted to buy a drone for somebody in my family. And they were like, oh, you can't buy this drone without a license and blah, 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 because, you know, it's certain airspace is restricted. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, so I can't buy a drone for a little kid as a Christmas gift. But yet people can own entire balloons that fly all over the place. And the government will say, well, we don't even know who owns that balloon at this time. Just fascinating, right? It's fascinating to me. Now, we have so much regulation on drones and absolutely nothing on spy balloons <laughs> or balloons in general. I'll be fair. The unidentified object traveled 36,000 feet above the coast of Hawaii. Now, just to let you know, I flew to uh, South Florida over the weekend, by the way. And um, I remember when, uh, you know, the the pilot, he was saying like, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be. Exp- let me take that back. Our pilot was a woman. So she said, ladies and gentlemen, she had a little accent. And she's like, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be expanding a little bit of rough air, maybe a little turbulence. Please keep your seat belts fastened and blah, blah, blah. And once we reach a safe cruising altitude. And when they got to that safe cruising altitude, she said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have reached our uh, safe cruising altitude of 36,000 feet. And I thought 36,000 feet. So that's how high um, the airplanes fly. And this is a spy balloon or a regular balloon or a weather balloon, whatever kind of balloon. And this uh, unidentified object, 36,000 feet above the coast of Hawaii, has been uh, on the military's radar since Friday when it was detected by the Department of Justice and the Federal Aviation uh, Administration. Wow, at least they know it's there. Now, why aren't we doing anything? Well, the object could still be shot down if it gets any closer to U.S. territory. But at this point, it appears to be slowly moving towards Mexico. And this is what uh, the DOD people told uh, NBC News. So... Apparently, no threat from the big balloon. I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this. Is this much ado about nothing? I don't know. All I know is the um, the last several balloons, you know, they did what they wanted to do. One of them belonged to China. They, every, they got away with everything. Then after the fact, they started shooting down some private people's balloons. <laughs> you know, some sort of retaliation. Be like, all right, don't come around here. Fly. It's like, you know, don't push me because I will turn around and punch some other guy. Right. China flies a balloon here and Biden says, I'm going to go shoot down the hobby guys balloon. You watch. I mean, it's just laughable what's going on. Anyway, we've got banks. Uh, We talked a little bit on Friday about how the banking system is just not right where it used to be. 
And, of course, there was uh, another uh, takeover by the FDIC, which many are saying is a bailout. And lo and behold, J.P. Morgan Chase steps in to uh, pick up the tab on that one. That's going to continue to affect our economy and our banking system. So we're going to have a conversation on that as well. Straight ahead with our buddy Steve Moore, former White House economist and Uh, He's going to break that down to us. So don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. Lots to discuss tonight. We've got the border. We've got why Americans are so fat. And we've got the economy plus your calls and more. 8334-VALDES, 833-4-VALDES. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Before we start, uh, I'm pleased to say that the regulators have taken action to facilitate the sale of First Republic Bank and ensure that all depositors are protected and the taxpayers are not on the hook. These actions are going to make sure that the banking system is safe and sound, and that includes protecting small businesses across the country who need to make payroll for workers and their small businesses. And so let me be very clear. While depositors are being protected, shareholders are losing their investments. And critically, taxpayers are not the ones that are on the hook, as I said earlier. (laughs) Going forward, I've called on Congress to give regulators the tools to hold bank executives accountable. And I've called on regulators to strengthen regulations and supervision of large and regional banks. And folks, uh, we have to make sure that we're not back in this position again. And I think we're well on our way to be able to make that assurance. All right, so that is our President Joe El Baboso Biden. He's yet again sounding very joy, very spry, very chipper, celebrating yet another uh, bank collapse. And uh, The Guardian is reporting this as the uh, second largest in history. I'm not sure if if that's accurate, but uh, I'm going to check it with our buddy Steve Moore. He's a former White House economist. He is uh, the founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity and the host of More Money on 77 WABC. Steve Moore, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Rich. So good to be with you. By the way, I cannot verify or... Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, that that's the second largest bank rescue plan ever. It, it sounds un, it sounds kind of hard to believe, but I mean, that's uh, what I'll I go with that statistic. But, but you know, uh, when, when Biden said uh, this won't cost taxpayers a penny, isn't that exactly what he said about the Silicon Valley Bank? You can keep your doctor if you like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, Bailout of the Silicon Valley Bank cost mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of dollars to taxpayers. This is a president who every time something goes wrong, because the regulators were the ones who were asleep at the switch in both of these cases, and then Biden's um, response is more regulation. Hey, how about enforcing? There's no industry in America that's more regulated than banking. Mm-hmm. Right? This, this seems to be the issue that we face. It is. And, and by the way, I... 
I, I've got to get this off my chest because it's related to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. When you talk about banks, one of the ma- what is the major form of loans that banks make? Mortgages, right? Mortgages are the number one, you know, other than maybe business loans. And are you following this story, Rich? It is so enraging to me that people who have good credit cards, oh my on credit scores, and people who put money down, you know, more than ten or fifteen or twenty percent on their home, are going to have to pay higher fees to compensate the people who have bad credit cards and don't put money down. That's a that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, this is like the newest uh, redistribution of wealth. It's right. punitive. And it's like, hey, if you've done well, we'll punish you. If you're not doing well, right. uh, we're going to give you a leg up on the guy who's done well. It's it's just insane. Yeah. It is. When you go back to 2008, because I did a uh, you know, I'm a little older than you think. So I did a lot of analysis of what happened in 2008. The most of the mortgages that failed, and we had a lot of failed mortgages, were low, low down payment loans. You know, exactly three, four, five. All you have to do if you want to stop uh, runs on banks, especially people not paying their mortgage, just have a. I'm, I'm kind of old fashioned. Go to 10, 15, 20 percent down payment. Then people will pay their mortgage. But if nobody has any skin in the game, people just walk away and won't pay the mortgage. Right. And that's going to happen. My point is, Rich, that's going to happen again if Biden um, allows this to happen. And remember, that tanks the economy. Of course. And, and it seems like he's setting the stage to do that again. Again, exactly. that whole Fannie That's Freddie, right. um, you know, um, issue that we had in 2008 was a lot of people saying that there were there were so many activists, uh, Acorn and and others yep, that were yep. like pushing these at the grassroots level. And now we've it's being pushed at the governmental level. Right. <laughs> it's coming from the That's White right. House down. It's just insane. And here's the thing, all these new regulations they're talking about, and by the way, I do think the banking system is pretty sound, especially the, the really big banks. But what we're moving towards, because, <laughs> excuse me, these big sure. banks have huge amounts of, of, of capital. The smaller banks, not so much so. And what worries me is we're going to end up with just four or five major banks. There's not going to be neighborhood uh, city banks anymore. You know, the old, I go back to, you know, uh, the uh, it's a wonderful life with uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, with the old banking, you know, building and loan down the street. And those kind of banks will go out of business and it's going to be harder for small businesses and, and people in the communities to get community loans. Now, how do you think that's going to affect uh, credit unions? Do they fall in the same category? They're a little bit of a separate category. They're more subsidized. But my point is, you know, you want to be able to do banking with the guy who lives down the street. You don't have to bank, you know, call up the J.P. Morgan in New York, do you? Yeah, no, listen, I bank with a small bank that my dad banked with for like three right. decades. And uh, and I like the bank. I don't like that their customer service isn't 24-7, but when they're open, they're right. terrific. And I always fear if this bank gets ever bought by one of these big ones, it'll disappear. Well, then that and that's then what happens is, you know, because Rich, you and I think a little bit alike on this. Then what happens when you get four or five me- mega banks? Then they're too big to fail, right? Right. And then you get this incestuous relationship between big government, big banks, and big business. Sorry, I don't like that. I'm a free market guy. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. So looking at this First Republic um, issue, with, how does this, you know, obviously it's going to cost, it's already cost us some money, um, but mm-hmm. what's the long-term effect of, of J.P. Morgan purchasing First Republic? 
Well, I don't think there, if, if this is just an isolated case, then I don't think there is a long-term effect. What worries me, Rich, is this, and I, I'm not saying it is, I'm asking the question because I don't think any of us know, is this the tip of an iceberg where mm. small banks are facing real capital shortages, balance sheet problems? Now, look what happened with First Republic. What were they holding on their balance sheet, just like Silicon Valley Bank? They were holding a lot of government bonds. And they bought these government bonds maybe three or four or five years ago when the interest they were paying two or three percent interest rate. Well, now the, these uh, bonds pay five or six percent interest rate. So all of a sudden, the value of those bonds is down thirty percent. So it used to be everybody said, "Oh, the safest safest thing to own is a government bond." No, not so much when you're in a rising interest rate um, for not, uh, kind of uh, regime. And then, of course, it all circles back to what you and I talked about. Three months ago, when I was on the show with you, what's causing that problem of higher interest rates? The mm-hmm. massive spending. $6 trillion Biden spending spree. The mm-hmm. chickens are coming home to roost, folks. So this is this is problematic, obviously. And, and again, we talk about it till we're blue in the face. Uh, but I feel like it, there isn't a shift in, in, in public opinion. Or do you sense that there is one? You mean about... Sorry, I was shifting public opinion about what? Uh, on government spending. Oh, look, I think most Americans, if, even if they're Democrats, even if you're a liberal, unless you're hopelessly liberal, realize that what we're doing right now is criminally, financially negligent. I mean, to, to borrow $2 trillion a year is, is going to bankrupt the country. And by the way, I don't know if ICE is going to come three weeks from now or three months from now or three years from now, but we will have an economic crisis. And so for Joe Biden to stand out there and saying, I'm not going to negotiate, just give me an unlimited credit card. I mean, that's, can you imagine walking right. into a bank? Let's say you're running a business and you're losing money and you go to the bank and say, I need a loan. You know, I'm losing money. And what's the bank going to say? Okay, what's your plan to get out of debt? And then what would happen is, what would the bank say to you? She said, well, I don't have a plan. They'd say, they'd drop, punch you right out the window. And that's what Biden's saying. Just give me more money to borrow without any conditions. Right. And and it seems like it, there's this back and forth over raising the debt ceiling and then you get a plan. Republicans put a plan in place saying, all right, well, we'll do right. that, but we're going to tie it to, you know, one percent caps yes. and this and that. Something yes. that's somewhat sound. And then it gets yes. rejected. Well, first of all, I want to say this because, Richie, you have such a good, great audience and a big audience. Everything that that uh, that Kevin McCarthy has been asked for, and I, I worked with the House Republicans on this. It's a great package. What do you oppose? Do you okay? Here, I want to see if your listeners oppose these things. Do you oppose a one percent cap on spending when we've been spending, we're having the biggest blowout spending ever? Do you oppose mm-hmm. uh, re-energizing uh, American energy and producing more American energy? Do you oppose work for welfare requirements so that? You know, yeah, we have a safety net, but if you're getting these programs, you have to get a job. Do you oppose um, getting rid of this green energy slush fund, $300 billion? Do you oppose um, stopping the 87,000 new IRS agents? I think that's outrageous. You know, they're going to, you know, by the way, uh, Rich, that conservatives like you and me, we're the first people going to get audited here. Oh, my gosh. I don't want that to happen. Steve Moore, hold that thought. Folks, we're on with Steve Moore, former uh, White House economist. Uh, from the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, Steve Moore, the host of More Money, and he's coming back with us. We've twisted his arm. He's sticking with us for another segment. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night. Rich Valdez, Steve Moore, we're coming right back. Six- 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. I want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Are you open to any uh, spending cuts as part of the ultimate budget deal? Yeah, I mean, I think we can move toward uh, cutting military spending. We're now spending 10 times more than the people, uh, than any other country uh, on Earth. Massive cost overruns uh, in the Pentagon. I'm certainly open to, uh, open to demanding that the largest corporations in this country and the wealthiest people uh, start paying uh, their fair share of taxes. And I'm willing to look at any other proposals. There's a lot of waste within government. Let's go after it. But don't go to war against the working class of this country, lower income people. Don't tell kids that they can't afford to go to college or cut back on public education in America. We have already too much inequality in America. Let's not make it worse. Okay, now if you haven't figured it out, that is uh, Senator Bernard Sanders, and like every good communist sympathizer before him, he's chanting, pay your fair share. Steve Moore, we, we have a problem with government spending in our country, and then we've got Bernie Sanders saying that we need to stop spending, in particular, on the military. Well, look, I think we probably could find ways to save money in the military. I Look, I think every agency sure. of government is way, way bloated, and so there probably are savings in the military budget. But, you know, our military budget is, as a share of our overall budget, is smaller than it's virtually ever been. So, uh, you know, you, you don't point to the one area that we've actually been cutting. Uh, you look at – I mean, I've mentioned something right before the break. I want to mention it again, $300 yeah. billion, billion. Rich, I did not say million. I said billion dollars for green energy slush fund that's going to be run by John Podesta, who's just a political hack. That money isn't going to save the planet. It's going to you know, fill the pockets of Democratic operatives and groups like the Sierra Club and all these other organizations. This has nothing to do with good policy. So you know, when I said right before we went to break that the, uh, I like the McCarthy plan, it has a 1%, it allows 1% growth in spending. 
I'm not even in favor of that. I think we should be cutting. You know, I like, do you, I don't know if you ever have, have Rand Paul on your uh, show, but Rand is one of my heroes. He's the senator from Kentucky. Yeah, he's And terrific. his point is, you know what? We, you know how we can balance the budget? Just go back to the 2019 budget before we had COVID. And we balanced the budget. <laughs> Good luck. Is that so hard? <laughs> Good luck, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it puts the framework. You know, we spent $5 trillion in COVID. COVID's over. Let's go back to what it was before. That's what we've done. You know, if you look throughout American history, where the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the Great Depression, the Cold War, when a crisis was over, we didn't run massive deficits. We actually started paying down the debt. By the way, sorry, my voice is a little raspy. I've got a little bit of a cold, but you can tell what I'm saying is that we, oh, yeah. why are we running a $2 trillion a year deficit? COVID is over. Well, I mean, the government loves to spend money, and once they've spent it, they want to spend it in perpetuity. They're not going to let it go. That's that's part of the well, problem. Well, and then you played play that, that clip by uh, Bernie Sanders. There was a clip right after that where he said, Oh, and we're going to take anyone who makes more than a billion dollars. We're going to take all that money oh. over a billion dollars away. How many billionaires do you think we'd have left in this country? Yeah, well, he wants to eliminate Zero. the billionaires. And, you know, it's funny, right. I wanted to do a whole segment on that. And I was going to try and track down one of my could, three billionaire friends. I couldn't friends. believe he said it. I couldn't believe <laughs> I mean, he said that. He said 100 percent tax. Absolute crazy. I think after 990, uh, whatever yeah, it was. $9 million, dollars, yeah. Yeah, and I said, oh, Take my goodness. Just that, you know what? There's a word for that. And it's not taxation. You know what the word is? Confiscation. Theft. And that, that's yeah. where the left is. They, they don't want to tax you. They want to take your property away from it. And they'll take it off, folks. Yeah, this is the part to me, Steve Moore, that's really scary. Because at some point, it's got to be easy to move that threshold around. And that's how you start to sell people on an idea like that. You say, well, look, who really needs more than $900 million? Who needs it? And, and, and at, at, at that point, we, we ask ourselves, um, who, who would, you know, who needs a hundred million dollars or who needs, and before you know it, everybody's on this equal playing field. And for the benefit of the audience, we have the, the clip of Bernie. I just want to play it. So everybody's in context. Listen to this. Sir, you're saying that billionaires should not exist. So you're, are you basically saying that once you get to $999 million, yeah. that the government should confiscate all the rest? I'm saying that we should go back to a very progressive tax policy like what we had under Dwight D. Eisenhower. Which would mean that, that after over a yeah. billion dollars, basically yeah. it all goes to the government. I, you may disagree with me, but I'm I just say, asking. Like, fine. Yeah, I think people can make it on nine hundred. You know, $99 million. I think that they can survive just just fine. Look, uh, when I talk about oligarchy, it's not only the power of the people on top, it's what's happening to working people, and we got to talk about that. It's not only that so many of our people are struggling, it's that so many of our people can't afford health care, they can't afford prescription drugs, they can't afford child care, they can't afford to go to college. Is that really what the United States of America you, should be about? But you can do a lot of that and not basically upend capitalism. It's not upending capitalism. There are countries around the world that have vibrant capitalist societies that provide health care to all of their people. Right. Make sure that you have a minimum wage, which is a livable wage. I, Steve Moore, again, I hear this stuff. And to me, it's it's um, this this. This chant from the socialist, uh, the health care, universal basic income, pay your fair share. To me, it's the same plan over and over and over. It's nothing new. 
and, and yet they continually reintroduce it. Do you think it's going to gain traction? God forbid, you know, we're a land of opportunity. And the fact that we have billionaires is a great thing. I mean, uh, you know, Bill Gates, he, he built a whole computer industry. You look at people like Elon Musk, look at the amazing things that he's doing or Mark Zuckerberg or the incredible people who built great industries in America, the Henry Fords. You know, there's this mythology that these people were robber barons when, you know, they, they built our great industries and continue to do that. And when you played that Bernie Sanders clip, you know what, it, re, it made me sound like I was listening to, you know, Fidel Castro or yeah. Che Guevara or, you know, uh, Maduro. And uh, people should pay attention to what's happening in South America. They're all going with the Bernie Sanders agenda. And guess what? The people, the working class people are getting crushed, crushed in those countries. Yeah, well, not only does the working class get crushed, but you're crushing um, the free market. You're crushing liberty. You're crushing anybody's ability to pursue the American dream, even if you're not in America. And and I I find it scary. But what do we got to do? Let me just say this. Socialism gives everybody an equal income. Everybody's equally poor. (laughs) Right. Equally broke. (laughs) <laughs> what does it take to get, uh, you know, uh, a guy like you to, to sit there and shoot the breeze with, Jer- with Ber- uh, Bernie Sanders to help him understand that this stuff just doesn't work, Steve Moore? You know, I know, I know Bernie Sanders. I was on the Bill Maher show with him a few years ago. He's a nice guy. I mean, I like Bernie. And you know one thing about Bernie? At least he says what he means. Yeah. You know, at least not, not, you know, and so all the other Democrats believe what he says. They just won't say it. And so uh, I just think he's misguided. And I think it's probably you can't you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks. But, folks, we cannot be seduced in, in socialism. Somebody's got to show me anywhere in the world where Marxism or socialism or communism or any of these isms has ended in any, anything but catastrophe. Steve Moore, I mean, everybody is listening. Can you, think, Go ahead. can you think of one example of where it's worked? No, I can't. I can't ever. And, and of course, he, he loves to point to Denmark, Denmark. He loves Denmark. Uh, but uh, the reality is it's, it's an incomparable comparison. Right. And by the way, these countries like Sweden and Switzerland and so on, that they're moving away from socialism. I don't know if people are aware of that. They're like, oh, this doesn't work very well. We better get back to the free enterprise system. Look, it's very simple, Rich. I'll say it again because I said it on your show every time I'm on. The goose that lays the golden eggs is the free enterprise system. It's what mm-hmm. has made America the greatest country on earth. Now, everybody that's listening is saying, man, I like this guy more. He makes a lot of sense. Um, they're all riled up right now. Where do they go to learn more about what you're doing and keep up with the work that you're doing, Steve Moore? Well, I hope people will get our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. I know you get it, Rich. And, and oh, yeah. You know, Daily. There's no, there's, no, there's no inflation on this, folks, because it is free. All you have to do is sign up for it. Go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website and and sign up. And Newt Gingrich called me the other day and said, Steve, this is the first thing I read every morning. So uh, I hope people will sign up. And I think you'll learn. You'll be the smartest person in the room if you read it. Yeah, and that's true. And you guys put a lot of effort into it. It's not just a a slap shot type of thing. It's really a well thought out thing. And I recommend it as well. uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity.com is the website. Steve Moore, I want to thank you for your time, your generosity, your scholarship. You're a gentleman, sir. Okay, Rich, have a great evening. You bet, brother. Thanks again. All right, and there is more to come. We're going to continue our conversation on Joel Baboso Biden, what's going on with him and uh, how his approval rating has been um, in the tank for a while. Plus, there's a lot of other stories, and we're going to continue our conversation on uh, the border as well as why Americans are so fat. It might It might surprise you. It's not because we eat a lot. 
there's uh, one doctor out there saying we were told to eat a, a particular thing. It was put into the, the, the food chart. And now they're saying, don't eat that. Anyway, don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. Rich Valdez, America at Night. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. In a lot of ways, this dinner sums up my first two years in office. I'll talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, and cheerfully walk away. All right. There's Joe Biden making fun of himself. Um, that's what I like to do also, right? I like to make fun of him, too. Anyway, uh, I want to talk about Joe Biden a little bit because there's a, a lot to talk about. But there's an interesting clip, and this is uh, it's about a minute long, but I want you to listen to Senator Chris Coons. He's on ABC this week uh, with Martha Raddatz, and they're talking about uh, this poll, and we're talking about people not wanting Biden to run, and Biden saying, everybody wants me to run. I got hairy legs. I'm the best thing there is. You know, he thinks he's fantastic. He should be running. Uh, and and many are concerned about Biden's ability, right? And, and to me, the concern is not Biden's age. The concern is Biden. Reagan was old. There's lots of old people out there that are extremely competent. There's a lot of old Supreme Court justices now and before. Age isn't the problem. Joe Biden is the problem. But Chris Coons tells Martha Raddus that he believes that uh, Biden both has both the qualifications and the age to run for president. Listen to this. 48% of those poll said they didn't want him to run again. No elephant in the room here because of age. Yes, and you were with me at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last night. Many of it. There were thousands of folks in the room. And Martha, he was fast on his feet. He was agile. He had great delivery. You saw the State of the Union address nearly an hour and a half. He was faster on his feet than most members of Congress. I think Joe Biden is agile, is capable. His record of leadership, both at home and abroad, makes him eminently qualified. And we should be focusing some on the wisdom and experience he brings to the job, in addition to the accomplishments he's had these first years. I, I know you cite the State of the Union. He had good comedic yes. timing last night. I will give him that. A lot of that's on teleprompter, and people have seen him stumble. These are people they talk to, 48% said it's age, because they've watched him. The president says, watch me. And some of those people have watched them and still have doubts. So so what would you say to them about those stumbles, about rambling sometimes? Martha, I'd say compare him to the alternative, recognize the value of experience and seasoning, recognize that his values align better with where we want America to go. Okay. That's scary. If Joe Biden is where I want America to go, then uh, we're, we're in bad shape. Anyway, I want you to hear how this um, this qualified and agile, young, spry, energetic Biden that he's talking about where America should be going. This is Biden at a small business week event at the White House today where he just basically loses uh, the entire teleprompter. Listen to this. And we see it here again today in companies like I hope I pronounced it right. Ame Power. Is it Ame? I believe that's right. Yeah. Ame Power. Florida Small Business Winner Award winner or uh, Business Week winner. You won. 
<laughs> and he's telling the teleprompter that they won because he couldn't keep up. That's terrific. I love it. It's scrolling too fast for him. And he couldn't keep up. Anyway, that is uh, the spry, energetic Biden. I want to know what you think of Biden, what you think of the banks, what you think of uh, of all of this crazy, because um, is it his age? Is it uh, is it just him? I tend to think it's just him. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez. And uh, to the phones we go, 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ is our phone number. Uh, If you are not listening live, you should be. You can listen live right online. Rich Valdez, com is the website. Uh, Let's go to Tom in Arlington, West Virginia. Tom, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yeah, I, I I have to agree with you that the president, when the teleprompter goes down, he's not like what Bill Clinton did back in 95 or 96. Bill Clinton, when he addressed the country in the State of the Union, his teleprompter went down. He did not skip a beat. He, he right. was incredible of how well he articulated his agenda. And it's the same with Donald Trump, you know, um, Trump can get up in front of a crowd for an hour and a half with no script and just start going on. And he always has a point of when he's trying to uh, make his case to vote for him. But this man, no, there's no question. I, I honestly feel he was installed. And my biggest fear in the 2020 election is this. Unsolicited absentee ballot request. Yeah. My home state of Massachusetts, of which I own a house there, I'm not registered to vote. I'm registered to vote in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I received three absentee ballot requests of people who no longer live at that particular address. Mm-hmm. The state of Massachusetts goes back 10 years of people on voter registrations. And all it takes to prove who you are is a signature. Nothing about your birth date, nothing about your last four of social or yeah, no photo ID. phone number. All right. So if you don't think that that does not lead to voter fraud, um, I'm going to sell you some oceanfront property in Arizona. That's my <laughs> biggest fear with it. All right. And mm-hmm. can I prove it? No. Can I prove it? No, I can't. All right. However, if that's all it takes for someone to vote, I have no doubt in urban areas in this country where people go from apartments to apartments, more so than homeowners, there will be people in urban areas that will vote more than once 
forging somebody else's signature. Tell me I'm wrong. I wish I could. But you know what? We, we've actually seen this happen. And forget the 2020 election. This has been happening for decades. Uh, in particular, uh, the, the United States attorneys in Texas have prosecuted several cases of fraud where people would go and pick up these these ballots. And uh, in, in one instance, I believe they had a um, one of the accomplices was the United, a worker for the United States Postal Service that was selling them. And, and this is a, a known industry. They're called politiqueras. And uh, many of them are, are women, uh, older women, like in their 60s, that go a- around the town and they know the people. And they're like, hey, did you get your absentee ballot? And they'll purchase them for five bucks. And they know the big buildings where people are going to get the ballots and don't live there anymore. And they end up selling these to the highest bidder in terms of, uh, you know, which political candidate wants to buy them because they can insure them 100, 300, 500 votes. And in these uh, smaller district um, elections, uh, 100 or 500 votes can go a long way. And it's fascinating, and I'm not making any of it up. It's all factual. It's all on the record. Politiqueras. Even NPR has reported on this stuff over the years. So we've seen that happen there. Who's to say it's not happening elsewhere, right? Excellent point, Tom. Uh, Really well articulated. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call, by the way. A big shout out to everybody in West Virginia and everybody that's listening online as well. And uh, straight ahead, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to talk with Laura Rees from the Heritage Foundation to just uh, figure out what's going on with the border crisis. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. It's Monday. Welcome back. Uh, Hour number two and uh, headline here. Listen to this. Texas fugitive accused of killing five was illegally in the United States and has been deported five times. Insanity. Uh, Francisco Oropesa has re-entered the country illegally multiple times following multiple deportations. That's according to a source from ICE. And um, this guy's now on the run after leaving five dead, including an eight-year-old. There's a manhunt underway, and it's absolutely uh, insane that this is what's happening. This is, again, a, a case where this guy was bucking shots in his backyard. Neighbor says, hey, can you keep it down? I'm trying to keep, you know, uh, keep it quiet because my kids are asleep. 
and whatever and what have you flips out, goes there and slaughters everybody. I mean, just absolute insanity. And, you know, when people make the point that had this administration or, you know, any uh, federal authorities done their job of enforcing the border, this could have been prevented. And, and I have to say, I, I agree. Um, I mean, you can't stop every crime, but you can definitely stop the crimes of the people that are in the country when they're not supposed to be and have been deported five times. Um, I mean, man, it's just uh, it's just absolutely horrific. And to get to the uh, bottom of it, uh, we are going to have a conversation with Laura Reese. She is with the Heritage Foundation, and I want to welcome her to the show. Laura Reese, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Rich. It's my pleasure. Now, uh, as a director of the Border Security and Immigration Center at Heritage, I know that you keep your finger on the pulse of a lot of what's going on. And uh, and there's a lot of things going on right right now. You've got this uh, this uh, big push by the administration on on their uh, parole program. Uh, and this doesn't seem to be helping the country at all, does it? No, it doesn't. And unfortunately, the administration is playing a shell game right now uh, because the numbers have gotten so bad of illegal alien encounters trying to cross the border between the ports of entry. The administration, uh, in using a its go-to tool of, of mass parole in violation of the law, has directed future migrants to, uh, instead of crossing between the ports of entry, to use a mobile phone application called CBP-1 to make an appointment at a port of entry and to cross there where they will be paroled into the country. And the administration is labeling that a quote-unquote lawful pathway, even though it violates the, the parole statute. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 it doesn't make these these aliens lawful. So um, the administration is trying to say, look, the numbers of aliens crossing between the ports has decreased. But what they <laughs> don't want you looking at are the numbers of people crossing at the port of entry who are still nonetheless not admissible into the country. Yeah, and uh, portraying this as a shell game is fantastic, but. Uh, this is really a hustle. I mean, we're really getting bamboozled here when when they're saying, look, we're about to, you know, really tighten things at the border. All we're really doing is using an app that the government has created to facilitate more illegal immigration. That, that's right. And um, what people need to do instead of looking at just the southwest uh, border crossing numbers is to look at the nationwide um, encounters. So that would include not just the southern border, but also the northern border, which has um, increasingly suffered uh, a lot of illegal crossings as well, um, but at the ports as well as between the ports to get the, the whole picture. Um, and, and the administration just won't talk about those numbers. They continue to claim that uh, illegal crossings are down and that their new program is working. Um, and it's it's more gaslighting. This this administration doesn't want you to believe your your lying eyes. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh boy. So Laura Rees, and again, I, you know, we've had a lot of your colleagues on this program, and we've talked about similar issues. And I, I feel like it's incumbent upon me to to ask, 
How do we put an end to this? Do you see an end to this? So we need to put back in place the the tools that have been tested and have worked. Um, and unfortunately, this administration are use, is using tools that uh, play on people's emotions, uh, such as asylum. Uh, but unfortunately, it's a lot of asylum fraud. Uh, they uh, rely on and entice more unaccompanied alien children to cross the border. Uh, they rely heavily on NGOs, including faith-based organizations, to process and transport these illegal aliens all over the country. Uh, and so, fortunately, the the House is uh, has been debating and passing through their committees uh, legislation that would um, return to tools that we know work, return to policies that we know work, such as. Um, ending catch and release, requiring Remain in Mexico program, um, not treating unaccompanied children from Mexico and Canada different than unaccompanied children from any other country, Um, defunding the NGOs that are involved in this mass migration, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it looks like the House will introduce a package of these bills, uh, possibly mm-hmm. as early as tomorrow, and, and then vote on that um, next week when they are back in session. All right, folks, uh, we're on with Laura Reese. She's Director of Border Security and Immigration at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, I want to get into the, the role that the NGOs are playing, because you have these nonprofit, non-governmental organizations that, you know, Catholic charities and and, and so many others that are, People think are just, you know, here to help. We're just here to help. And it seems to me that lamentably the government is using uh, well-intentioned organizations in many cases to do some of their dirty work without uh, even letting them know all in the name of a bleeding heart. So we're going to get into that as well with uh, Laura Rees, director of Border Security and Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. I didn't expect to hear anything back, but I felt like it was important to once again try to engage the governor, but also let him know what his policies and practices are doing in cities like Chicago. We are completely tapped out. We have no more space, no more resources. And frankly, we're already in a surge. We've been seeing over the last week, two to three, 200 plus people coming to Chicago every single day. We call them walk-ins because they're not coming on buses, but they are coming on planes from San Antonio. And we're very concerned because they don't seem like they're getting screened at the border. We've seen people coming with serious medical issues. Oh, screened at the border, Lori Lightfoot. Medical issues, Title 42, fascinating. That's uh, former Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, whining about illegal immigration hitting her city thinking she was too inland to feel the pain of the border towns, but she's feeling it. Our guest is Laura Reese uh, on Twitter at Laura underscore Reese, R-I-E-S. 
She's director of border security and immigration uh, at the Heritage Foundation. And uh, Laura Reese, when you hear politicians like Lori Lightfoot whining and complaining over the problem that they've created, uh, yet they lament anyway, what's your reaction to that? It's really aggravating uh, for a sanctuary mayor in a sanctuary city who for years and years uh, called for and was perfectly comfortable with illegal aliens living in the city, um, regardless of what the fiscal costs were, the public safety costs were, uh, to now complain about this, um, you know, actions mean consequences. And you know she's not alone. New York City mayor, several mayors have complained. D.C. mayor, the same complaints, and yet they never tell the Biden administration to change its policies or to stop the open border operations. They just ask for more money. Um, so the problem's not going to go away. Right, and we saw how they handle these things uh, at Martha's Vineyard last year. They um, they'll use the National Guard if they need to, to to fix the problem once they feel like they're overwhelmed. And it just fascinates me that, you know, with, out of one side of their mouth, it's, hey, we need to uh, to open everything up. And then the other side of their mouth, it's like, no, 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 we've got to make sure these people are taken care of somewhere else. And it just uh, it doesn't get old. No, it's um, like so many things, whether it's crime, riots, mm-hmm. you name it, uh, until a politician is either personally affected or their power is threatened or their pocketbook is threatened. They don't change course. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, how this has an effect on public safety, and that goes unaddressed by some of these politicians. But speaking of public safety, we saw over the weekend this story that came out of Texas where there was these uh, execution-style shootings, uh, including five people, including an eight-year-old. And obviously nobody wants to hear about that, read about that, even react to that. But when you look at something like that and you think, man, do you feel that we there's a place where we've had where people feel we've had one too many of these and they decide to stand up? Or do you feel like we're just kind of immune uh, to feeling any uh, outrage uh, with something like this? Well, each time it happens, uh, some people rightly are angered and, and say this shouldn't have happened and it didn't need to happen because that person shouldn't have been here and therefore their victims should still be alive. But unfortunately, the attention, you know, and the, and the anger only lasts a short while and then people move mm. on until it happens again. Uh, and so that's why so many following this issue, we often ask how many people need to die, whether we're talking about the fentanyl uh, poisonings that are occurring at historic levels because uh, the cartels are bringing it over the border or uh, when illegal aliens commit murder or rape, um, you know, national security threats, you name it. Um, And I I fear something drastic is going to happen and will have to happen to make this administration change course. But until then, they're just trying to process in as many illegal aliens into the country as fast as they can. And while that in and of itself is its own question, uh, the why aspect, uh, but when we have mayors like Lori Lightfoot uh, complaining and crying, oftentimes who we don't talk about are these NGOs that you mentioned earlier. And I'd like for you to elaborate a little bit more because it's not like it's the government in every situation that's chartering these flights. In some cases it is, 
uh, to deposit people in other jurisdictions. But in many cases, uh, they're going through nonprofits that are helping them to get food assistance, to get uh, uh, from one place to another. And and I think this is a part that a lot of people don't realize. Yes, this uh, to achieve these numbers of, of mass migration into the U.S., the administration has to rely and does rely heavily on NGOs, including faith-based organizations, and pays them billions of dollars from multiple departments in the federal government to achieve this. And so these NGOs uh, act as reception organizations, they process aliens, and then they will uh, transport them to all points uh, in the country. In fact, Heritage did a a, a study for a month. We um, tracked Mm -hmm. phone data, anonymous phone data, that went through a few dozen known NGOs located on the southern border and then tracked where those that phone um, data went. Over 30 days, about 30,000 phone uh, devices went to every single congressional district in at least the contiguous 48 states of the United States. Um, so wow. Uh, we've we've published this memo that lists these NGOs and you know Catholic charities appears quite a bit. Um, uh, refugee services, um, world relief, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, what it shows is not only, you know, what are the, some of the NGOs doing this, but um, information for members of Congress that, yes, these, these aliens are coming to your congressional district. And that's why we say every town is a border town. Um, and yet when you talk about um, organizations doing this, particularly mm-hmm. the faith-based organizations, and you argue that these operations should be defunded. Uh, this happened last week during the, the debate in the House uh, Homeland Security Committee. Then you had the left um, arguing that these organizations are simply helping vulnerable populations. And um, when, in fact, the results are sex trafficking, uh, forced child wow. labor, human misery, um, and so it, it really, there are a few courageous Republicans uh, in the House and Senate looking at this, but we need more courageous members to, um, to look at these organizations, uh, the activities that they're doing, and, and defund these operations. Laura Reese is Director of Border Security and Immigration, the Immigration Center at the Heritage Foundation. Now, when you say we need our members of Congress to take action on this, uh, how specifically? Uh, so they need to defund the programs that are, some of them are in the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, there's uh, large sums of money going through FEMA mm-hmm. at the Department of Homeland Security to these organizations. Uh, there's also large sums of money uh, going through the Office of Civil Rights and Civil Liberties to some of these same organizations, the State Department, the Justice Department, and a lot of money through Health and Human Services, which is responsible for uh, not just refugee resettlement, but uh, unaccompanied alien children. And so whether it is housing them, um, care for them, transportation, et cetera. And uh, I want to be clear about distinguishing, you know, legitimate refugees who go through the the Mm -hmm. valid uh, refugee application process 
you know, some of these organizations for decades have helped to resettle them in the U.S., but that has morphed and grown into an industrial complex of NGOs getting into really mass illegal migration. Um, and, and so it, it's easy to put up the shield of these organizations are, are simply helping vulnerable populations. Um, but unfortunately, it, it requires a closer examination. Um, and and if, if we truly want to prevent the trafficking of children, uh, mm-hmm. if we want to prevent more unaccompanied children from coming to the U.S. in the first place, uh, we need to shut off the the spigot, defund these operations, uh, and, and save a lot of lives. Laura Reese, let everybody know how they could uh, keep in touch with you and uh, follow the work that you're doing at Heritage. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at Laura, L-O-R-A underscore Reese, R-I-E-S. Outstanding. Make sure you give her a follow. Laura, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate your work and scholarship on this. Um, Hopefully you'll come back, and I appreciate you staying up to keep us informed. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about how carbohydrates were pushed on Americans as part of their daily food routine. And now they're saying, no, 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 hold on, you're too fat. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Erasmus coming up next. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez. And I want to uh, dig into this topic. I find it of particular interest because, A, I feel like I love to eat all the stuff that's really bad for me. And, B, uh, I think it's a really interesting take on on this topic. But listen to this. Um, this is Dr. Ugo uh, Udo Erasmus. Now, he's uh, making the case that we were pushed into eating these carbohydrates, and now we're being told not to eat these carbohydrates. Dr. Udo Erasmus, welcome. Hi, glad to have, glad to be on. Should be so, fun. <laughs> let's talk about uh, some of this um, debacle on how seventy percent of Americans are overweight and how obesity rates continue to go up. Uh, but this overweightness is uh, leading to increased risks of a million different health disorders. Of course. Yeah. So, well, it began a long time ago. In 1979, there was a report written by the government, uh, a McGovern report on nutrition and health. He was a senator in the U.S. Senate. And uh, he was not a nutritionist, but... <laughs> But he, he he created this thing, and out of that came a food pyramid where they put carbs on the bottom as the foods you should eat the most and and fats on top as the thing you should eat the, the least. And in the first 20 years of that, of, of using that food pyramid, overwent in the U.S., went 25% of the population 
to 60% of the population and nobody questioned the food pyramid. And the Department of Agriculture promoted the food pyramid. That's what happened. <laughs> so um, Uncle Sam is supersizing America. Yes. Okay. But it's, of course, it's Uncle Sam working with, with, uh, with the uh, food industry. Because the food industry is not necessarily always interested in your health either. It's a business. So where does that put us with um, with fats and carbs? Because as I understand it, my doctor put me on a diet. I used to weigh 269 pounds. Today I'm 208 pounds. And a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, like four years ago, my doctor told me you got to increase your fat intake and decrease your carb intake. And that helped me to lose a lot of weight. And I also drank a lot more water and whatnot. And so now avocados and, you know, all those uh, healthy fats that are out there are, yeah. are your friend and uh, carbs are the enemy. Yeah. Well, you have a smart doctor. I, I got to say most, a lot of doctors don't, are not as smart as that. But here's the thing. If you look at the foods we eat, we have, there are essential nutrients in foods that we have to have. There are 18 minerals. 13 vitamins, nine essential amino acids that come from proteins, two essential fatty acids that come from fats and oils, mostly from oils. And there is not a single essential carbohydrate on this planet. What does that mean? That means carbohydrates are actually the least important food because there is nothing essential in carbohydrates you cannot get elsewhere. But that's not true for fats. You have to get two essential fatty acids, omega-3 and omega-6, and, and they're essential because you have to have them for health and life. You cannot make them in your body from anything else. Therefore, they have to be brought in from outside. If you eat carbohydrates, you're not going to get those two. If you don't eat any fats, it will kill you. Because if you don't get enough of the essential nutrients, then your health will deteriorate and you will get deficiency symptoms and they're degenerative in nature and they get worse with time. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. That's true for every one of those 42 essential nutrients that I just mentioned, 18 minerals, 13 vitamins, nine essential amino acids, two essential fatty acids. And there are no carbs that if eating, living without carbs will not kill you because your body can make carbohydrates out of proteins and out of the backbones of fats, if it needs it. But you don't need them because you can, you, you know, the only thing carbs are good for really basically is a fuel source. Mm. But even as a fuel source, it's, it's lousy because it makes your blood sugar go up and down. That makes your insulin go up and down, makes your mood go up and down. It turns on fat production if you eat more than you burn. That's how you got those extra pounds that, that brought you to see, to 260. Yep. Right? And, mm -hmm. and the, on, on the other hand, the fats, the good fats, the omega-3 especially, which 99% of the population doesn't get enough of, those turn off fat production in your body and they turn on fat burning. And so when you, when, when you have a fat that, that, in, that, that increases fat burning, you can lose weight on it and you get right. stable energy and you could have, you could have 300 pounds of fat on your body and still be alive. And those 300 
pounds of fat are enough energy for you to run 12,000 miles, but you can only store one pound of carbohydrates in your body, and that only gets you 20 miles. In the old days when people couldn't drink and eat uh, on their marathon runs, they would hit the wall and mile 20 because they were told to carb load, but you yep. only get a pound of carbs in them. They were gone in, at, at mile 20, and then their fat burning was turned off because carbs turn off fat burning. And then they would hit the wall, that's what they called it, and then they would drag themselves the last six miles. When we came along in 19, uh, what was it, 1987, we came along and said, no, you guys are doing that wrong. What you need to do is you need to carb deplete before the race so that your fat burning mechanism is turned on so that you can run the whole, the whole marathon on carbs, uh, sorry, on, on oil, on fat. fats. Right. Yeah. Use that as and your then fuel people, source. People didn't believe us because we were, we were saying the complete opposite of what they'd been told. But a few people took us on it, on up on it, and they came back and they said things like, you know, that was amazing. I, after I finished running the marathon, I felt like I had enough energy to run another one. Hmm. The guy set the, the uh, record in the United States for the longest distance run in, in 24 hours. So you can do it any way you want. You can sleep for 23 hours and then run like hell for the last hour, or you can just run without sleeping for 24 hours. But whatever you do, how far can you get in 24 hours? The guy who set the record, I think it was 154 miles, 152, 154 miles, which is six marathons. He did it on high grading, good oils to get that energy, to be able to run that fast. All right, folks, we're on with Dr. Udo Erasmus, PhD in nutrition, master's in psychology. Uh, He's an author. He's written the book, The Right Fat Diet and Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. Dr. Erasmus is with us for another segment, and we're going to continue this conversation on how it was the government, not the fast food industry, that triggered this fat outbreak. Uh, More on that straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. There's a research team in Boston at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital looked at more than 3,000 adults in a region of Spain where afternoon siestas are part of the culture. And listen to this. They found that taking naps longer than 30 minutes in an afternoon were associated with higher body mass index, uh, larger waist circumference. Uh, higher fasting glucose, higher blood pressure, and an increased likelihood for metabolic syndrome compared to those who didn't take naps in the middle of the day. How about that? Interesting. Uh, our guest, Dr. Ugo Rasmus, is with us. Doc, let's talk about uh, how severe obesity is. Okay. So, well, so so let me let me comment on that study in Spain that you just mentioned. Sure. 
You know, the reason for that, and by the way, this is not only for people, we do it with animals too. The best way to fatten a cow or a pig is you feed it before bedtime mm. because then it won't burn the carbs that you feed it and they will get turned into fat in its body. So when you have your siesta, if your siesta is too long, you're, you're, you're eating, then you have your siesta and because you're not burning it off in activity, your bodies will turn it into fat. So it makes complete sense that that study would show that because that's how the body works. You make it sound so simple, Doc. <laughs> well, it, it is simple when you know it how. Is. It's yeah, simple you until you're, you're the one that's obese trying to lose weight. Then it's not so simple. Well, no, then, you, then it's very simple. You've got to cut the carbs and you instead get your energy from fats but not, but you have to be uh, clear about the fats as well, is that the essential fatty acids, the omega-6 and omega-3, we get lots of omega-3, uh, sorry, 6, but it's damaged by processing and we use it for frying, which damages it more. What you want to use is you want to use oils that are richer in omega-3s and, uh, and particularly plant-based omega-3s. And those actually increase metabolic rate, increase oxygen consumption, increase fat burning, and decrease fat production in your body. So you have to pick the right kind of oils. They have to be made with health in mind, and you have to use them in a way that doesn't damage them because they're very sensitive. They're very chemically active. And when something is very chemically active, then you need to take care of it because it can, it can, be, it can be damaged fairly easily. So we're talking Give about us, omega-3 and omega-6, sure. especially omega-3. Besides uh, buying the right oil, uh, what, what, what should people be eating to get uh, well, their omega-3 or omega-6? food pyramid. I actually made a food pyramid at one point because, well, I, because I, I'm in nutrition and they, the uh, Department of Agriculture wanted to change the food pyramid. So they sent out letters and asked for our input. But they didn't allow us to question the food pyramid. They only let, allowed us to nibble, to nibble on things. And, and mm. I said, you know, to hell with that. I was on a plane <laughs> I, I, to Japan, and I made my own food pyramid. On the bottom is green foods, greens and non-starchy vegetables, number one, number one food on the planet. Next line up, you get, and from, from the greens, you get your minerals and you get your vitamins. On the so you're next talking like spinach. Up, yeah, all the green stuff, spinach and broccoli and cabbage yeah. and, you know, and, and the color is not as important, but that they're low starch, not potatoes, not wheat, not grains, uh, not, not spaghetti, not bread. Right. So, and then the second line is proteins, which you get need for your nine essential amino acids that you can't make, but have to have and good oils that give you the omega three and omega six that you have to have and can't make. And then f fruit and sweet stuff should be like very limited. In, in nature, in most places where there are seasons, the fruit is, was, was only available in fall because it was fresh and it, it's only available in, in, you know, in, in, in August to October. And then in winter, that would all rot when we didn't have refrigeration. So that was seasonal and that was seasonal 
We had bears that would climb into the orchard, climb up the tree, eat the apples, put on some weight, and then they would do a hibernation where they were asleep for like three months. And they basically burned that fat because they didn't eat that whole time. Hmm. They even, I mean, it even works for the bear. They, so the fruits and the sweets and the carbs get you weight gain. And if you have a problem with too much weight, then you need to switch out. You need to get rid of the carbs and you need to use the good oils that increase your metabolic rate and your activity level and your energy level uh, in a stable way and make those your main fuel. And to do that, you have to go um, either, either seeds and nuts that aren't roasted, aren't salted, aren't rancid, or you get fresh oils made with health in mind and you find those in a brown glass bottle, in a box, in the fridge, in the supplement section, in the health food stores. Got to be in glass because plastic leaches into oil and then it goes into your body. You don't want that. And you never use oils like that for frying. What you do is you put them in salads, you mix them in soups, you put them in foods after they come off the heat source. Frying huh. is unbelievably damaging to health. The two biggest sins for health are frying foods and carbs, too many carbs. Right. So you want to do those two you want to put aside and and most most of what's wrong in our health will improve when we do that. And then obviously you want to get rich whole foods, you want to get whole foods rather than processed foods as much as possible. All right. Well, Doc, I want you to stick with us for just another moment. I want to come back and uh, let everybody know how they could get your books. Uh, folks, our guest is Dr. Udo Erasmus. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDES. That's Valdes with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're going to get to your calls and more. Straight ahead, Open Phone America starts at the top of the next hour. Remember the phone number, 833-4-VALDES. And our guest is uh, Dr. Udo Erasmus. Check out his website, udoerasmus.com. And Doc, I wanted to give you the final word uh, so that yep. a people could know exactly, um, you know, how to find uh, the great books you've written, but also uh, to give your your final, uh, I guess, words of advice for everybody listening. That's saying, you know what, you're saying exactly the opposite of what I've heard, and I just want to say this worked for me when my medical doctor, I went there, and he told me, he said, man, everything's trending in the wrong direction for you. You're overweight. It's not looking good high blood pressure, cholesterol, this, that, and the third. And he said, the only answer to this is to drop weight. And he said, if you follow this diet, you won't have to take any pills. And I did it and I'm grateful for it. And I still stick with the low carb diet, although it's not always easy, but it worked for me. Uh, what do you say to everybody listening that's a skeptic? Well, I, the, the, skeptics, the skeptics can't argue with a guy like you who by increasing 
fatten the diet and decreasing carbs lost the overweight that they were struggling to to lose. And the mm-hmm. people who are struggling to lose the weight may all be may all be doing it the wrong way. That's why they're struggling. It's not that complicated. So, uh, in order to, if you want to know more, the book is called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill, because there are two do- opposite stories on fats, and you need to know which ones are the good ones and bring them in, and which ones are the bad ones that are mostly damaged that you want to leave out. And you can uh, get that. You could look that up on on Amazon. Uh, it's available. Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. Choosing the right fats is another one, and the cookbook that's called Omega Three Cuisine. Uh, um, and, uh, and then, uh, if you want to check out, check us, us out online, udoschoice.com, U-D-O-S choice.com is my website. And I talk about the products that I work with and how we do it and all of that, or florahealth.com, F-L-O-R-A health.com. Flora health. We and didn't talk about call, that. That's gut health, right? No, Flora is the name of the company, but for, ah. but Gut Health, we work with Gut Health as well. But Flora just actually means plant-based. Got it. Well, we got to bring you back on to talk about that topic, Doc. That folks, Dr. Udo Erasmus. Doc, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Appreciate it. One other it. thing, if you need a number to call, 1-800-446-2110, West Coast Business Hour. You got it. Well, thank you, Doc. More to come straight ahead. Open Phone America coming up next. We're going to talk about why spelling your name with an S or a Z matters. Don't miss it. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, hour number three of the Monday night program. Of course, technically Tuesday, so good morning, buenos dias, buenas noches, good evening, all of the above. Welcome to the program. Give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833, the number four, my last name, V-A-L-D-E-S. I want to hear from you tonight. It's been days since I've spoken with this wonderful audience, and I love to chat with you guys. And uh, there's a bunch of things to talk about. We've talked about a bunch of things tonight. Of course, if you missed any portion of tonight's programming, you can always check it out at richvaldezamericaatnight.com. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast there. If you don't know what a podcast is, don't worry about it. That's just a digital replay of the show that you could listen to anywhere, anytime, on demand, at your leisure. And you can also check out the different interviews that are there. You could stream it right from the website. You could hit the listen live button to listen live if we're live at that time. You can do so many things from that, um, and I encourage you to do it. RichValdezAmericaAtNight.com, and definitely click subscribe on the website. Now, uh, plus, this is America with Rich Valdez. We don't do them as frequently, but we still do them, and uh, I love doing that podcast. And for those of you that are subscribed to that and have been for years, uh, thank you for that. A new one is coming. Forgive me. Shame on me for not keeping that schedule. Uh, Just been a little bit overwhelmed lately, but we're going to get to it. 
Um, and I want to go over some news here because earlier we talked about this horrible story in Texas, right? Where there was a mom and a, uh, I guess a dad somewhere in the story and some kids, they were all killed, all right? An eight-year-old kid and the rest of the family, five family members killed because, uh, from what I understand, the dad went over to the neighbor who was an illegal immigrant that was shooting, uh, his rifle in his backyard and he tells him, Hey, can you keep it down? The fam- you know, my family's sleeping and they were like, F you, I'm going to shoot you all. And he did. And he killed everybody. And now this guy's on the run. Now what's interesting here is that this guy has a, a last name that was misspelled by the FBI and they substituted a Z for an S. Mm-hmm. Where have you heard that before? Fort Worth, Texas, a Fort Worth man and his family say they are terrified and angry after the FBI originally posted his photo and identified him as the suspected shooter that killed five people near Houston on Friday night. Now I'm looking at the picture. It's a Hispanic guy with a tattoo. And I'm thinking, shoot, I'm a Hispanic guy with a tattoo. (laughs) <laughs> these guys could just as easily come after me. The difference between me and this guy is, you know, I've got a beard and a bald head and I don't look like him. But, you know, if that's what you've got to go by is, you know, bald guy with a, uh, a beard or whatever. This is a problem. So um, I want to give you this story because I found it just so interesting. And of course, it's a horrible story. And I hate the horrible, the horrible nature of the story, but it's interesting. And here's the thing. This guy shares the same name as the suspect, but his last name is spelled with a Z instead of an S. Yep. The mistake, he says, has caused him and his family to receive death threats all weekend long. His name, Francisco Oropesa. O-R-O-P-E-Z-A. The other guy is O-R-O-P-E-S-A. Fascinating, right? And he says that his family, he just got a new job in North Texas last week. He's a husband. He has children. Oh, boy. But now his entire family's unsure if they're even going to leave their homes anytime soon. Somebody uh, from the family saying, um, what if we go outside? Somebody sees the tweet or it goes on Facebook and sees your picture. And then they, they, they see him, you know, and this was his sister-in-law. You know, frantic. Uh, Who wouldn't be? A Fort Worth family is now fearful after the FBI admitted that it wrongly identified a man who is a uh, a wanted fugitive for killing five of his neighbors in Cleveland, Texas. And, you know, I would hate to be the guy that's on the receiving end of being misidentified by the FBI. Shoot, that's not good. And the FBI put out a tweet saying... An incorrect image of Francisco Oropesa with a blue backdrop was mistakenly disseminated earlier today. That image has since been removed by the FBI from their social media, blah, 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 but not soon enough. Now, what's the moral of the story here? Now, obviously, this guy could not have gone around saying that, you know, I'm Oropesa with a Z, not with an S. <laughs> but now you understand my insanity over making sure that I'm not uh, misgendered, if you will, uh, with uh, with the wrong letter. And uh, and some of this stems to 
my right senior year or right after senior year of high school, I went to school with a guy named Ricky Valdez. And I remember going to get insurance and they were like, hey, yeah, you have an accident. I was like, I don't have no accident. You crazy? There's no accidents. I didn't have any accidents on my driving record at the time. And they pointed it out and they showed me on the driver abstract. Look at it right here. This is your address. You live in North Bergen. And I was like, no, well, you see, that's where you're wrong. So I went to North Bergen High School. But I didn't live in North Bergen. I lived in the small town right next to North Bergen. And then my last name is with an S and his is with a Z. And lo and behold, they had gotten uh, the, the wrong person. And this was uh, 1996, 97, whatever it was. So things like that really do happen. And I just thought, man, what an interesting juxtaposition, right, of people um, having S's and Z's in their names and having to point it out and the FBI screwing this whole thing up. So we're going to talk about uh, the immigration tonight. We're going to talk about uh, crime because you got crime that's also on the rise. Crime that's, listen to this. I mean, I'm just going to tease this. We'll do it in the next segment, but man. Listen to this. NYPD is going to give Kia and Hyundai owners free air tags. That's the Apple device that goes, you know, wherever you stick it. It's like the size of a quarter and it's like a tracking thing. And you could track it through the get where's my iPhone app or whatever. And, uh, you know, we talked about air tags when we had our cybersecurity guest on last week and how that woman discovered that there was an air tag in her car and she was realizing at that moment. Like in real time, oh, snap, somebody's stalking me. Well, anyway, good old Mayor Adams in New York City says, you know, what? I'm going to be giving these out because there's such a increase going on in thefts of Hyundais and Kias. I don't know why they're stealing Hyundais and Kias, uh, but I can tell you I'm driving a Hyundai right now. It's a rental. I'm still in Florida and uh, not bad. I also had a little Mercedes-Benz sports coupe convertible. That was a lot of fun. Had that for about three days. That was really, really fun. Anyway, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, yeah, so that's what they're doing with crime in New York City. Plus, this guy was uh, misidentified by the FBI. Plus, we're going to get into uh, how one professor was chastised and corrected and rebuked by his university for a study into transgender athletes. But he got blocked over his use of the word male. Unbelievable. Don't go anywhere. Your calls and more coming up right now. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833, the number four, my last name, V-A-L-D-E-S. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. 
McCarthy, I think, is struggling in what it means to be a leader. Most of us knew that he was uh, a coward uh, and would try to sort of give everybody whatever it is they were asking for uh, because he doesn't have a backbone. He doesn't really have, um, you know, policy chops. He's not known uh, for having policy ideas that people can coalesce around. He is no Nancy Pelosi. So we're uh, able to actually see him uh, put that in front of the American people in a very uh, chaotic um, and comedic way. All right, that is Ilhan Omar. You might know her better as some people did something, right? Remember her? Yes, that's her. And uh, Congresswoman Omar, who um, was rumored to have married her husband and says that she didn't, uh, not her husband, her brother, uh, who was not really her brother, it was like a stepbrother. An interesting story, and then it turned out to not be the case, and then it turned out to be the case, and then she ended up marrying a fundraiser, uh, the guy who was um, running her campaign fundraising operation, and voila, there he is. Anyway, uh, Congresswoman Omar, she um, she had some choice words for Speaker McCarthy, uh, saying that he is no bueno on this on this deal where he says, oh, you want you want a debt ceiling increase? All right, I'll give you a debt ceiling increase, but we're only going to do it if we can only agree to spending increases of 1% and a million other great, very conservative, fiscally conservative uh, caveats to that deal, which I think that's how our government should work. Excellent. Now, do they like it? Of course not. They hate it. They want to spend money like drunken sailors. That's what they do. But that's uh, what she has to say. Good old Ilhan Omar. Some people did something. Let us go to the phones. Uh, let's see. Where we go here? New Jersey. Up next. Manila. Coming. Dothan, Alabama. Let's go to Sandra on WDBT. Sandra, welcome. Hey, welcome uh, to you. Um, good show tonight. I enjoyed Thank the you. doctor talking about the fat. I'm going to look that up. Very interesting, but... What I told your screener was what I wanted to talk about was the raising of this uh, ceiling of debt. I don't know why the Republicans can't stick together, whether they like it or not. They need to be in lockstep on everything at this point. And I think McCarthy needs to call Biden's uh, bluff. I think he needs to tell him and then shut down the government. And that's how I feel. Well, I think you might get your wish because... I don't think that the debt limit uh, proposal that that McCarthy pushed through the House is going to be met with any um, excitement in the Senate. And should nothing happen in the Senate, we're not going to get anywhere. And I think that's that's the next step will be this looming government shutdown unless they're able to negotiate their way out of it. But I think McCarthy's been pretty solid on it. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I think for the most part. That's what's happening. He said, here, this is what we agreed to. This is what we're prepared to do. This is as far as we're going to go. Here you go. Take it or leave it. And in the Senate, they're saying they want to leave it. So now is the time for him to play chicken and say, all right, then, hey, that was the best I could do. Let's see what happens. And I'm curious to see how it plays out myself. I don't know um, that Democrats have the chutzpah, if we could say that on the radio, to... um, to allow a government shutdown to happen on their watch that way. They could try and say Republicans are trying to destroy the economy. They could try that. 
But I think if you have McCarthy and he, you know, because he's Speaker of the House, he can get some press and he can say, yeah, look, we passed a bill. Here it is. And he's already got the press from last week saying that, you know, they, they did it. So really, the onus is now on Biden. And I think it was a very good move. Let's see how it plays out. I don't know the answers. Um, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think he's doing all the right things. And I'm hopeful that that they're going to be able to leverage this into a win uh, where Biden's kind of forced to, to sign whatever he gets. And Schumer's forced to push that through in one way or another to get a to get a signature on it. So we're going to see what happens. But thank you, Sandra. I appreciate it. I also wanted to bring your attention to a little uh, snippet of audio that we have where Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, he's been making the rounds. He was on our show. He was on uh, with Don Lemon. Now he's on with Chuck Todd and him and Chuck Todd get into a little bit of a debate over gender. Listen to this. But below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers You're for the purpose of that, transition. But how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know, are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is... Uh, as binary as you're describing it, are you confident that it isn't a spectrum? I am. Uh, you know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes. If you're a woman, an X and a Y, that means there's you're a man. There's a lot of scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm -hmm. what they're asking for is, you got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding I, for the last I, I go back years. to this. So Chuck is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't, I don't buy it. Okay. I was told there's multiple genders. I grew up with girls and boys, but I was told there's an infinite amount of genders and uh, I believe it now. Pobrecito, right? Poor guy, Chuck. I, it's amazing how gullible some people can be. Now, listen, if you're listening to me now and you're like, oh, Rich, you know, I thought you were smart until you made these ignorant statements. Everybody knows that there's a fluidity to gender. Listen, you may choose to be fluid in your gender and say, hey, I feel like a man. I feel like a woman. I feel in between. I feel not. whatever you feel like is on you. It doesn't change what is. Right. Cop can put you under arrest. You're in handcuffs and you could say, I identify as free as a bird. I am free to leave. You're not. You're not. There's a reality, right? You're in handcuffs. You're in police custody. You could say what you want. You could think what you want. You could feel what you want, but it's not necessarily the case, right? There's an actuality of circumstances that you can't control with your relativism of creating your own truth. So I'd love your reactions on that. We're going to get to that straight ahead. Uh, I know we got people on hold and I don't want to go to anybody just yet because we have a hard break coming up in a minute or so. So uh, instead, I'll invite you to call and comment on what we've been talking about, whether it's immigration. Uh, we're going to take your calls on that. And this horrific murder, this grisly scene where this family was slaughtered. Absolutely horrific. Uh, whether it's the um, health conversation we had where you increase your healthy fats like cashews and avocados and I don't know, whatever else is a healthy fat nowadays and how that can help you lose weight as long as you cut out carbs and be healthier. Or um, this topic now where we're talking about the uh, 
this issue over gender and this poor professor who submitted his research paper and they said, sorry, you use the words male in it and uh, using the word male or even female in this report that we've designed here. um, That's not, that's not going to cut it. Right. doesn't meet the standard. So lots to discuss, lots to talk about. I want to remind you again, like always, uh, if you missed any of our guests last week, this week, anything that you really enjoyed, uh, go to the website. You could pull up that particular interview that day and you could share it with somebody right online. The website, excuse me, the website, richvaldezamericatnight.com, richvaldezamericatnight.com. Check it out and subscribe to the podcast. Please do that. And when we come back, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-MY-LAST-NAME, my last name V A L D E S. do not move a muscle. We're coming right back. So there's a couple of stories I've already mentioned that we're going to talk about, but there was one in particular I haven't mentioned that I want to bring to your attention because I thought it was fascinating and I saw it on the news earlier and it was a seventh grader calmly taking control of a school bus after the driver fell unconscious. Looked like he had a mild seizure from what I could tell. Again, my non-doctor, nor do I play one on the radio opinion, uh, but his his hand was kind of clenched and his elbow kind of got really tucked really close to his rib and the, you know, the camera's on the school bus driver and the student just comes, looks at the kid, the, the driver shakes him a little bit. He puts his foot on the gas, on the brake pretty gently, uh, grabs the wheel with one hand and then knows exactly what to press to hit the air brake to make this thing stop. And this kid is a pro and good for him. Kudos to him. Uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll give you a couple of um, pieces from the, from that article in a little bit, but I, uh, I thought that was remarkable because really, I mean, would I know how to do that? I don't think I know how to do that. I, I've never driven a school bus in my life. Anyway, um, let's go to Gil in Manila, Philippines. Gil, welcome. Yes. Uh, hola, Ricardo. Hola, about, senor. Uh, Mr. Oropes. Yeah. Well, Mr. Oropes, he's already in Mexico. I'll tell you why. They found the weapon. He ditched the weapon, so he wasn't planning on shooting it out with anybody. And if he gets into Mexico, Mexico will not extradite him if the death penalty is on the table in Texas. They'll only extradite them if there's no death penalty involved. So I'm sure he's already in Mexico. He's been deported God knows how many times. He probably knows all about this. Um Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah. D- during the uh, break, I was uh, oh. discussing that with our producer, uh, Mr. Hinton, and he also uh, was saying, this guy's, you know, halfway through Mexico by now. And uh, and I get that. I get that. Uh, I mean, what makes a lot of sense because uh, he may not even, you know, I don't know if he's Mexican or not, but uh, I know that he's in the country illegally 
and he may be making his way back to Honduras or back to uh, wherever it is that he's come from or to hide out in a different country. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he knows exactly what he did was wrong. He's, he's a Looney Tune and, um, and it's, it's a, it's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, I mean, I just, I think of that and I just think, man, that's absolutely crazy. And again, was gun control going to fix this, right? Were we going to say a guy that's illegally in the country, uh, obviously he shouldn't even have a gun. He shouldn't even be in this country, but he had a gun and it's not because of gun control because this guy wasn't going to obey any, um, any local laws on anything. And, and that's, you know, part of my issue with, uh, these fake phony fraud gun control laws that are, you know, ill-placed, you know, with, um, they're ill-placed because they, they just don't work, right? Punishing people that follow the rules for people that are criminals that'll never follow the rules isn't ever going to work. It's never worked before. Uh, but yet some people want to say it's, you know, it's the best thing ever. Anyway, um, Gil, what's your take on this new, uh, not new, but th- th- they're enacting this this um, immigration parole system where they're saying, you know, we're still going to let you in, but we're going to call it a parole and, uh, you know, document it differently. So we'll say that you're actually, you know, not in the country illegally, but you're still in the country illegally. Well, it's just an, an, another uh, uh, an, another way of, of the trying to enforce this policy that they have had to get as many people illegally into the country as possible since Mr. Biden has uh, become president because they feel that if these people ever become uh, voters, uh, they're going to vote Democrat. And uh, that's uh, trying to build up the Democrat Party. Um, but I'd like to make one other comment about Mr. Oropesa, if I might. Yes. Um, you know that I was in a, in a Mexican prison for uh, for eight months. Mm-hmm. And every time that they would uh, put someone from Mexico to death, uh, in the United States, the uh, State Department requested the Mexican uh, prison authorities to put us under protective custody because there were always threats that the inmates would retaliate by killing an American prisoner in retaliation for uh, mm. executing a uh, a Mexican citizen in the United States. It made life interesting. <laughs> Nothing like adding a little skin in the game, literal skin, right? Wow, Gil. Thank you for the call, my brother. Uh, crazy. Uh, I mean, God bless you that you're not there anymore. And uh, my hope is to A, never go to prison, and B, never go to prison in Mexico, of all places. Anyway, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. Uh, the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ, my last name. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Live late night radio 
six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. So a couple of months ago, we heard about local police departments offering their constituents the club. Remember the club? It was one of those steering wheel lock devices, big red piece of iron steel that you could lock up your steering wheel to prevent your car from getting stolen. Well, that was what the police were offering uh, certain people saying, you know, we're trying to curb uh, auto theft and, you know, here it is. And, you know, honestly, I I would take the club over what they're offering now, because at least with the club, you could have a fight. You know, there's something to protect yourself with. But no, uh, with the uh, the new device, it's an Apple AirTag. It's one of those little things that's about the size of a quarter. And this thing is used to track the vehicle. And police in New York City, uh, Eric Adams is saying, let's give these things to the people that have the cars that are being stolen the most, the Hyundai and the Kia. Now, if I had to guess, I would say that there are two new SUVs out there, and there's plenty of them. Uh, they're like the only two that I see very plentifully in the streets because there's a, there's a little bit of a delay. It's kind of hard to buy a brand new car right now. It's kind of hard to buy a used car because the inventory is limited on both. Uh, but one car that I know is really nice and in a, um, and available is, uh, the, the Hyundai, right there. They have a really nice, um, it's called the Palisade. This is not a paid ad, by the way. Um, the Hyundai Palisade is just the one I observed. I thought was really nice and uh, really nice interior, really well done. And there's a competitor to it called the Kia Telluride and both probably in the 50,000 plus range, uh, fully loaded leather, all that stuff. And I guess that's why they're being stolen as much as they are. And from what I understand, a lot of stolen cars aren't even like sold for parts anymore or anything. They're just shipped directly overseas where nobody cares, like certain countries where they can just register them and use them. And they will literally just replace the locks and sell this car, you know, like in, on the continent of Africa somewhere and say, Hey, voila, we can do whatever we want with this car. So that's part of what's happening. And uh, Eric Adams and the police in New York city believe that they're going to stop the proliferation of these cars by adding Apple air tags. I don't know if that's going to work, but speaking of crime, let's go to the phones. 8334-VALDEZ, 833, the number four, my last name, Valdez. Let us go to Egg Harbor Township. That's New Jersey. Denise on WOND, welcome. Uh, yes, um, on the topic of um, people with names that are similar to someone else's, um, I have a name that's pretty similar to somebody who's on some kind of a watch list. Oh, boy. <laughs> so... Um, I'm glad I have a bank account, but uh, my son years ago has my husband's name and um, he used to have to back up his, uh, when he was cashing a check and didn't have a a, a bank account like 20 years ago, he used to have to back up his driver's license with his Ridgefield Fire Department ID, otherwise they wouldn't cash his checks. Wow. Because he was, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's a sad situation that we have in this country when uh, you can't, you can't, our, our world has changed and it's really sad. Now, you said he used his Ridgefield Fire Department ID? What's that? Which, did you say he used a Ridgefield Fire Department ID? Yeah, because he's been a fireman there for like 20 years. Well, I, I live close to there. And uh, actually, the, the former fire chief of Ridgefield Park is my neighbor today. A great guy, Richie Flynn. Big shout out to Richie Flynn and the Ridgefield Park Fire Department. Um, great people. 
And um, while we're on the topic of giving shout outs to firemen, it's probably a good idea to shout out all firemen and first responders, police and EMS, because it's, it, it, they never take a day off from us, right? So why should we take a day off from congratulating and saluting them? But Denise, thank you for your call. And you're right. It's, uh, it's important with these uh, issues of identity and whatnot. They, they have, uh, there's a lot of bearing uh, in, in, in being able to do your business. And when you have a name similar to someone else or you end up on a watch list like you did, uh, not a good scenario, not a good place to be. Uh, thank you for your call. And we will continue with Open Phone America, taking your calls on everything we've discussed and more. Straight ahead, the number 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. That is, again, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Earlier, I was um, doing my own reference to this quote. I wanted you to make sure that you heard it. Some people did something. And of course, by that, she was making a very flip comment of how terrorists attacked New York City. And I just thought it was appropriate to remind everybody, being that we were just uh, saluting the firefighters and um, the uh, first responders while we were in our conversation with Denise in Egg Harbor Township in New Jersey on WOND. Now, the key phrase there was some people did something. Now, if I wanted to be flip, I would say, you know what? Some people did. They did something. And who these some people are, are the authorities in Saudi Arabia who've launched their biggest ever crackdown on what they call camel beauty because some dozens, I think it's 40, 40 camels have been disqualified from a competition because these camels were given Botox to look better, to physically improve their appearance. And this is bad, right? These um, camel beauty contestants have received Botox injections, injections and other artificial touch-ups with 40 dromedaries disqualified from the annual pageant. I didn't even know they had a camel pageant, but they do, and it's in Saudi Arabia. And judges at the month-long festival in the desert, northeast of the capital, Riyadh, uh, escalated their, their crackdown on artificially enhanced camels using specialized and advanced technology to detect tampering. The official Saudi uh, press agency, SPA, which is uh, like state-run media, reported that on Wednesday. So there you have it. I bet you've never heard that story before, that 40 camels were disqualified from a beauty contest. But that actually happened. So, yeah, that's what those people did. 
Now, I do want to get to your calls before we wrap up. Let us go to uh, Steve in Cleveland on WEOL. Steve, go right ahead. It's easy listening to the night. How you doing, Rich? Hey, hey, brother. Welcome. How are you? Hey, uh, real quick, uh, word salad. Uh, she hates steam uh, camala, you know, or uh, camel. Um, however That's mean. You're being mean uh, now. I am. I'm being a. Well, she was at a doing did one of these speeches. So when you watch a certain channel, they run some certain little clips, and uh, they like putting her in the middle. You know, she's doing a word salad speech or something. She and, does specialize uh, in the word salad. Oh, she does. I don't know what kind of dressing she uses. Probably it's not vinegar and oil. Um, <laughs> kids, 18 to 24, are very stupid. It's a stupid generation between 18 and 24, she said. she said. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing them. her make those comments. That's why we keep them in dormitories. And, uh, I mean, seriously, these these, these people are, um, they're... They're beyond even a uh, definition of what of what evil is. But no, um, you're right, Steve. They they missed the point completely, and it's a shame. But I appreciate the call. Thank you for joining us tonight. We got to move on to Linda in Albany, New York. W G D J. Linda, go right ahead. Oh, thanks, Rich. Um, this is in regards to those five people, the family, sadly, that's been killed. They tried to be nice neighbors and go and speak with the person personally. Would it have been better, considering some of the things today, to have called the police and asked them to have the guy quiet down? And maybe being he's here illegally, he might have just stopped and moved on. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And, of course, that, that may have been the case. Uh, totally could have been the case. I think... You know, our our common sense and our, our good judgment tells us, listen, don't call the neighbors on the cops on your neighbors. Just go over there and be a nice guy and say, hey, listen, hey, Tommy, hey, Jack, hey, Jose, hey, whatever. You know, uh, listen, my kids are sleeping. I'm hoping you could do me a favor. Maybe buck your shots tomorrow because, you know, every now and again, I'm hearing a ricochet. I'm hearing it's just too much. And maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't work. Right. I think that's conventional wisdom. Lamentably. We have a situation where, you know, you send the cops there and then maybe it becomes a shootout and he's shooting the cops instead of shooting the neighbors. So I I don't think there's an outcome on that. This isn't one of those things where anybody did anything wrong except for the guy who did everything wrong. The guy who was in the country illegally, the guy who went and shot people, the guy who is now on the run. And this is why you can't legislate morality and you can't use gun control to fix a problem when you're dealing with crazy people. Because crazy people just won't do it. What's that, Alex? Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm being told in my ear, the family did call the police, but he ended up shooting the neighbors before they, the cops even got there. So that's a very unfortunate. All right, let's see. Where are we going here? Becky in Bloomington, Illinois. Quickly. Good evening. And I couldn't miss your show every Thank night. Thank you, I'll Becky. Tell you that. Now, number one, uh, on the news today, local news all over on Route 55 going towards Springfield, uh, there was a 30-car pileup, and it was because of the dust coming off the fields, and the cars couldn't see, so they Mm. rammed into each other. Okay, then you get your uh, 
news on the radio from, um, what do we call it, not local news, it would be your, they came on anyway, and they told there was 40 to 60 car pile up. And then the first news I heard, there was six people that died. But when they got done, there was 10 people that died. So yeah. see how they lie. Okay. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're lying. I think sometimes they're just catching up with the truth. The truth moves a little bit faster than some in the media can keep up with. Lamentably, that's the case. And especially in these breaking news situations, you know, they come out with one story and then it becomes something else. And uh, it reminds me of, of, you know, even when they do lie, like, um, what was that guy's name? Young kid, AR-15, great aim. Kyle Rittenhouse. And Kyle Rittenhouse, the, you know, the original story was, oh, he crossed state lines with a rifle. He went there looking for trouble. This guy's a murderer. And turned out the rifle was there. He was lawfully allowed to use it. He didn't cross state lines with the gun. His dad lived there. He was a kid of a divorced house. I mean, it just, the, the whole thing made sense. And he won in court. Then he won in, in the civil court. And he made a bunch of money. Becky on WHOW, thank you. And Bob in Huntsville on w, uh, CB, WBCF, thank you. Apple's taking air tags off the market. We're doing this again tomorrow. Take care. Good night. God bless. Hasta la próxima. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.